continuation. Um, the more I've meditated on uh, Mark chapter 11 um, and 12, I realize it's all of a piece, really. So I'm, I'm dealing with verse uh, 20, uh, 27 of, of Mark 11 right through to verse 12 uh, of Mark 12 today. But it really does tie into last week, and I'll refer back to it. But hopefully this, I won't leave you in the dark if you weren't here. All right, Mark 11, uh, 27, right through to verse 12 of chapter 12. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you the authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, Well, if we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent, uh, sent uh, to them an, another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and they him they killed, and, and so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. And finally he said to them, saying, they will respect, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir, come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And uh, get a drink. I have uh, three points and an introduction this week. Four points last week, same thing really. Um, the parable, and then power, authority, and faith. You'll notice I've actually preached on faith a number of times lately. Have you noticed that? Some of my points have been faith. Faith is at least the third time I've got faith uh, as a point. And uh, I guess that may continue because faith is so important. We'll come to that in a minute. Let's just look at this parable first in, in chapter 12 because I, I want to look at that briefly so we understand it and then go back into chapter 11. What, what are the things? Well, you know, who give you authority to do these things? What are the things that they're asking Jesus. Who give you the authority? What are they? Anybody else? I, I, in, in the, see, in this context, the things are who gave you the right to come and turn over the tables in the temple. That's the context of this. There are other passages that say, by what authority do you heal the sick? By what authority do you cast out demons? By what authority do you do those things? That's, that's very... Uh, that's all over Scripture. But in this context, it's by what authority? Who gave you the right? Because he'd just gone in and he'd, he'd wrecked the temple. Now, it wasn't just he turned over a couple of tables. We need to understand the temple was a huge, the forecourt, the area, the outer court where they did all the trading and everything, would be many times bigger than this room, full of tables and people buying and selling. And he went and caused total chaos. Total chaos. So he comes back another day and they're saying, hey, by what authority did you do this? Who gave you the right to mess this up? That's the context. He's called a huge stir 
This was no gentle Jesus coming to the temple and saying politely, excuse me, would you stop doing that? We like to think Jesus is always nice. He wasn't. He was quite offensive. They got upset. He shouted at them. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, and you're making it a den of, den of robbers. And he was turning over tables and causing... Not a nice picture, is it, really? Interestingly, nobody seemed to stop him. That tells me there was some authority somewhere. Because usually if people start doing things they shouldn't, we stop them. But he carried on making a real mess of this place. So who gives you the authority to do that is the question. And he doesn't tell them directly but rather he tells them this parable and, and of the landowner in the vineyard. And I don't want to focus a lot on the parable today because I want to talk about other things. But I want to do, have, have, make sure we understand it and give us a very brief run through. So in, in the parable, the landowner, you can probably tell me the answer to this, but the landowner represents God. Yeah? The vineyard, his kingdom, his people. Yeah? that which he planted for his own. The tenants, specifically Israel's religious leaders and all who rejected God's authority, we're in charge now. God put it there, but we're in charge now. The servants, those who kept coming back, were God's prophets and faithful believers who'd been sent into Israel to draw the people back to God. Time and time and time again, we see that in the Old Testament. The people were prone to wander. Funny that, nothing's changed. Even in the church, people are prone to wander, to drift, to do what they like, to have their own way. And God sends people, and he sent the prophets, and he sent other leaders among his people, and a lot of the prophets were killed, and some were murdered, and, and they were beaten up, and they were rejected, and sometimes they were heroes, but it was a tough old time for them. So the servants are those people, and then the beloved son. Well, it's Jesus, God's own son. He said, I will send my son, who will come among my people as the Messiah, and they reject him, and they crucified him. Yeah? Wow. That's the parable. But at the end of the parable, Jesus said, didn't you ever read the scriptures? I often feel like I say that on a Sunday. Did you read the scriptures? Have you read them lately? Well, I've got to get the dust off my Bible. Or maybe, maybe it is dusty because you have a mobile phone. It's really funny when, when, you, when you get a, a lead, particularly a leader's gathering, say, let's have a look at some scripture together, and they all go, do it electronically now. I don't really care how we do it, but do we read the Word? The Word of God brings life. The Word of God is what we live by. The Word of God will shape us and direct our path. We need to read the Word. And he says to them, haven't you read the Word? Haven't you read the scriptures? The stone rejected by the builders, has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes, and they're looking at him going, what? Ephesians 2.20 tells us that Jesus is the chief cornerstone in the structure of God's house. Do you remember last week I said Jesus overturned all the tables of the money changers in the temple, but we are the temple today. God does not live in buildings. God lives in his people. We don't have special places. We don't have, I don't mean we can't have a room where we go and pray. I don't mean that. What I'm saying is God does not inhabit one room more than another room, more than another room, because we are the dwelling place of God. In the church, God dwells today. Wherever there are two or three people, God is there, he says. Yeah. I know lots of people on holiday, but God's here because we're here. We, we don't have to go, oh God, would you come? He said, I'm here. I'm in my people. I dwell with my people. That's what I do. Lord, where are you? I'm here. As though we've got to persuade God to come into a room. He's here. Wherever we are. I love it. Hallelujah. 
Don't you think that's great? Okay. His presence is all we need. His presence is the joy of our hearts. His, his presence, we, we enjoy him. Raj and Charlotte being on holiday. And guess what? He was there. I mean, Jesus was, you know. <laughs> but he was there. That, that wherever we are, he's there. It's, it's wonderful. You can lay on the beach in the sun on holiday, and he's there. We don't have a holiday from God. We take him with us. Because we are the dwelling place. We need to understand, we are the temple now. There isn't another temple. The church is the dwelling place of God on the earth. And it's cornerstone. The foundation of it is Jesus. And he is the one who has all authority and power. And so telling this story is saying to people, I'm the Messiah. That's really what he's saying. I'm the guy who, who God sent. I'm the Son of God. That's, that's what the parable's saying, but they don't quite get it. All it is, they say, hmm, we think he's just told a story against us, but we're not sure why. Do, do you ever do that? So, so you hear something and you think, I think there was a point there, and, and maybe it might have been against me, but I don't know. Do, do, you ever, do you ever do that? We do that, all sort of things. Like, um, well, that's what parables were. There were these things, and you, you're going to say, what, what, what exactly? What's exactly he saying? He's actually saying, the reason I have authority is because I'm the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who's been sent by the Father here, right now. I have authority here because this is just a stone temple. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This, my house is not made of stones. It's made of people. He, he can, all of that's in there if you want that. But they just said, we'll, we'll leave it for now because they think he's told a story against us. So I want us to move on, because that's just a, a potted version of that parable. But uh, you see, Jesus as the Son of God, Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he has, he has authority, but he has power. He has authority. And my second point is faith. And you can say, well, does Jesus need faith? Um, we can discuss that later, maybe. And if I don't, just shout at me and we'll, we'll come to it. First, though, power. Did Jesus have power in his life and ministry? Yeah? Seemed to. Never seemed short of it. He opened blind eyes. He healed the sick. He even raised the dead. He cast out demons. Didn't seem to be any shortage of power. In Luke 5, 17, we read, The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Nothing lacking there. Luke 6, 19. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of, out of him, and he healed them all. So it's a bit like going, oh, there's power coming out. Excuse me, Paul. Power. Oh, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah? That's, what, that's how it was. There's power coming out of him to heal the sick. Wow. People are gathering around. Can I touch him too? Lady with the issue of blood in Luke eight forty six, Jesus said, Someone touched me. In the crowd, someone touched me. But what he meant was someone touched me with faith, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. No shortage. Absolutely no shortage of power. We never read of a situation in scripture where Jesus was powerless. We do read on one occasion in Mark 6, 4-6, when Jesus' power was limited due to the lack of faith of the people in his hometown. Do you remember the story? They're amazed at his teaching and the miracles, but they became cynical, saying, well, he's just the carpenter. What right has he got to do that? They're just jealous, really. But rather than respond positively, they respond negatively. And so actually the whole power is shut down. It's limited, which is amazing. Even Jesus found his power was limited due to the, the lack of faith and the cynicism of people around him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few people who were ill and healed them. And he was amazed, what? 
at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. No problem at all for Jesus. It was a problem for them. And so he was limited in the things he could do because of that. Jesus was never lacking power for ministry. What about us? Do we lack power? Is there a right answer here? Do we lack power? Okay. Let, let, me, let me help you out. How many times, I wonder, have we found ourselves in situations when we feel totally powerless, when something inside said, we should be so powerful right now? You ever been there? I, as, as, a, as, as a little baby, Jean's holding in hospital dies in her arms. A couple in our church years ago. And you're there going, right now, right now, I should be so powerful. And yet, feel so powerless. Anybody ever, ever experienced that? It's part of what we do, don't we? We, we? we do it. You see, I can preach up a storm, but we have to battle through these things of feeling powerless. But it's not because there's a lack of power. But are the times I felt powerless and still do, and still do. And so we're all on a journey of faith. We're on a journey of saying, oh God, oh God. My prayer for a little while is, God, I want to see an outbreak of healing and miracles. You know, you can go to other parts of the world, you can go to Turkey or you can go to Africa and you, you can have an outbreak of healing and miracles. It's not a problem. But I'm saying, God, I want an outbreak of healing and miracles right here. Right here. Anybody want that? What do we want it for? God's glory. That's the right answer. <laughs> what else do we want it for? We want something to quicken our faith, don't we? We want something we can go to and say, God, you've done it here, do it again. Don't we? I do. I use the word contend, but I, 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 contending for faith. It's not like God's unwilling. I don't want to go there. But there are battles to be fought in terms of believing God and pressing through into everything his word says. Because if it's in the Word, it's true, isn't it? Either that or God's a liar, which is it? Because if God's a liar, I'll shut up. But I believe the Word of God, so if it's in the Word, it's true. Yes? Not much faith in that. Yes. Is there, is, if it's in the Word, it's true. Yes? Oh, good. Very important. Well, here, here goes. What did Jesus say to us, to the church in Acts 1.8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you remember last week, I was talking about how often we look at the gifts of the Spirit and we treat them as fruit. What I mean by that is Jesus said, by their fruit you'll know them. And we're thinking of signs and wonders and miracles. And, and there's people who said that and said, Lord, look what we've done. He said, I never knew you. That's not fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The stuff Raj went through this morning. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ being formed in us. In our love, in our care, in our passion. The fruit, that's the fruit God looks for. But, but it's, not, it's not fruit or gifts. It's both. The gifts of the Spirit. He gives us gifts. You shall receive power. What for? To play with? To have a prophecy in a meeting? No, I don't read any of that. That you be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, that's locally. In Judea, that's the wider round, uh, wider uh, area. In Samaria, even wider. To the ends of the earth, all the earth then, we have power. Interesting thing. That was the parting sentence of Jesus before he sent it back to heaven. It's what I read in Acts. The last words Jesus said was this. Wait, wait for the gift my Father promises because you will receive power 
Three witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. And his last parting words. And what did they do? They did wait. And then the day of Pentecost came. And the power of God, the Holy Spirit, was poured out on them. And he's never gone away. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no shortage of power. Is there? Hang on. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. Is God limited? Not at all. No shortage of power. So if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no limit in power. Yes? Okay. And you know what? We don't have to wait in a room anymore. He's already given. He's been poured out. He's never been taken back. I don't have to persuade him to come to fill me. It says everyone who asks receives. Every child of God who comes to him in faith will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of God. That's what the Word of God teaches. And so we become a people who are potentially powerful, potentially bursting with the power of God, limitless in what we can do, aren't we? You shall receive power. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Oh, okay. I am. Anybody here got filled with the Spirit? A bit like it, it's, a, it's a present continuous. It's a be being filled, by the way. It's an ongoing filling of the Spirit. It's, he's poured out. It's like he's given, he's given, he's given. Keep receiving, receiving. You know, do you remember the day you got filled with the Spirit, some of you? You know that day when you went, oh, yeah, oh. Well, yeah, but keep filling, keep filling. You don't have to go back again and back again. Just keep receiving, keep receiving. Because it's now. It's not like a past experience. You shall receive power and you will be witnesses. There's no shortage of power in this room. There's a shortage of truth and a shortage of faith. But no lack of power. Dare you believe that? It's a very Pentecostal sort of sermon, by the way. I make no apology for that. Dare we believe the word? Or not? You see, what happens is we, we, we try and create a doctrine around experience rather than what the Bible says because we feel powerless. Yeah? So we have these prayers, if it be your will. You pray a big prayer and then tag on, if it be your will. Well, let's just say, your will be done. There's more to it than that. Let's, let's move on. Just remember, everyone who asks receives. You can ask again, Lord, fill me again right now. Right now. You don't have to sing a song. You don't have to just right now. Fill, it, fill me again right now. I pray every day, Lord, fill me again today. Fill me right now. And I receive it by faith. It's not a warm fuzzy. It's not a funny feeling. I know the power of God is available. I know that. I walk in that. I live in that. I prepare my sermons by that. I, I can't. I preach by that. I, could, I couldn't do it otherwise. This is the Christian life, to walk in the Spirit. But it's not like I've got to get in the mood. I've, no, it's, this is it. It's normal. It's in my everyday life, talking to an unchristian, chatting away. And you just say something and say, how did you know that? Well, I just know. Ooh, spooky. Because... Because you're in the power, you're in God, you're flowing in the Spirit. That's the Christian life. It's exciting, isn't it? Is anybody excited about God? I know it's holiday time. I know it's holiday time. But, oh, Lord. Don't you see the potential? Dare you believe? Do you think I'm part of this? Dare you believe that? Dare you believe it? Yeah? This is about us he's talking. You shall receive power, limitless power of God. It's available to us, the people of God. Wow, Does, doesn't that stir your heart a little bit? Stir your faith? Perhaps I can believe God. You know what? We will never take Teesside. We will never say all that. We can pray, God, let your kingdom come. But it comes because we, full of God, go there and minister in the power of God. It comes because we impact the people in our workplace, in our schools, wherever we are, because we're so like Jesus, but so powerful that people under the con come under the conviction of, of the Spirit. 
That's the Christian life. It, it, it isn't passively waiting. Ooh, let's move on. Authority. The question for Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? And we, we, we're told in Matthew 7, 28, 29, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. They were used to teachers around there who just sort of muttered stuff. But Jesus spoke with authority. Jesus goes and makes a total mess of the temple because he had authority and no one dared stop him. There's a clue. Authorities like that. No one dares stop you. Matthew 9, 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus said. Then he said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up, your, pick up your bed and go home. Wow. Wow. Okay. Jesus has total authority. Now we'd expect Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, would operate in his own authority, wouldn't he? He'd, he's, he's, he's the second person of Godhead. He'd have authority, wouldn't he? Not so in his earthly ministry. John 8, 28 to 30, Jesus says, speaking of his crucifixion, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, the Messiah, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed on him. And then in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Notice, the authority that Jesus had had been given him by the Father in his earthly ministry. He said, I don't do anything on my own. I have been given by the Father in heaven all authority, all power in heaven and on earth. It's been given. That's what Jesus said. That's a lot of authority. It means he's the boss everywhere. Everywhere. Limitless power and limitless authority. That's true of Jesus. Limitless power, limitless authority. Authority over demons and all the forces of darkness, over sickness, over suffering, even death itself. He's broken the power of death. He's broken the power of sin and death. He had authority. Even his death was an act of authority because he took, he took, the, took control. He paid the price. He said, I take authority over this death that's come to humanity. I take authority over this, this judgment that's come from heaven against the people because it's your sin. And so I'll take it. I'll pay the price for you. I will satisfy the demands of God righteousness in heaven and his blood shed. It's an act of authority. And death couldn't hold him. And after three days, he takes authority over death itself. And he rises again. He says, nothing, nothing in heaven or on earth will stop me because I have been given authority in heaven and on earth over everything. Jesus has limitless authority, and he's the one we worship, and he's the one we serve, and he's the one who's called us, and it's his church, and we're part of it, and he made us part of it. Isn't that good? I think, I, you know, I think that's great. I, my passion for this stuff just grows and grows and grows, because it's the truth. So what about us? What authority do we have as children of God? Let's see what Jesus did with the disciples. Luke 9, 1 to 6, he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics, Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. Wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. 
And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. These are fishermen. These are ordinary guys. What, what, how could they do that? How could they go healing everywhere, bringing the kingdom of God everywhere? Because Jesus had given them two things, power and authority. Yeah? Are you following my... Good. So what about us? Do we have the authority of Jesus? Let's go back to Matthew 28 again, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, speaking to us, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has commissioned us, the church, and given us his authority to go and do what he did. John 14, 12 and 13. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And we go, wow, greater works than Jesus did, wow. Water to wine, raising the dead, casting out demons, healing the sick, wow. Greater works, wow, more of them perhaps, wow. The Bible tells us, you know, Jesus did so many miracles that the, you couldn't write a book big enough to contain all the, book, all the miracles he did. And we can do more. I think the greater is more than Jesus did because we are many and we're, we're the church and we're scattered all over the earth. So we have the authority to do what Jesus did, yeah? But you know what we do instead? And I said this last week. We look at one or two people who move in healing and miracles and we put them up on our platform and we go, wow. And then we all, and then there'll, there'll be a call and we'll go for healing. And we applaud and go, wow. And that's great. But you know what ministry is about? Ministry should be down here and the church should be up on the platform and everybody goes, wow, look at the church. Look at what they're doing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? It's the city on a hill. It's where God lives. And the world goes, wow, look at the church, not the odd superstar. Deliver us from superstars. But let's be a people. Let's be a people who take the word, believe the word, and do the word. What was it we looked at last week? As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree that Jesus had cursed withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. I mean, whoa, where'd that come from? Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever, anybody included in that? Whoever. Yeah, that you? Whoever. It's got to be you too, Neil. It's a big whoever. And I'm not doubting your faith. I just got, there's loads more for you to move into. I, I Sorry, it's a, it's like, we're going to have to stop you being a superstar, but we'll tell you when you get too far, all right? Do, do you know, it's, it's, sorry, there's something on you. Do you know, it's about leadership, it's taking people into this. Whoever, whoever says to this mansion, whoever, I've lost it, where is it? Whoever says to this mansion, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass it will be done for him notice it isn't we who do it it's done for us by him who's all powerful and almighty but what releases it we speak it we declare it and it moves therefore I tell you whatever you ask in prayer believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Oh, do, you, do you ever struggle with this? Or do you ever read it? I saw somebody the other day and they said, I don't read some of those passages because they're a bit difficult. 
think, yeah, they might be a bit difficult, but it's the battleground. It's the battleground for the church. This is the church, surely? So we have power. And we have his authority. Do, do, how about if, if, how can I do this? Imagine someone in front of you who's sick. Do we have to say, God, is it your will to heal that person? Or do we say, I choose. See, if I've been given authority, if you've been given authority, that means you can use it. Doesn't it? Or or am I... You've been given authority, that means you can choose. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You choose whether you share your faith with someone, don't you? You don't go and say, is it, is it your will for them to know the gospel? You never ever do that, do you? Why, why would it be different with healing or miracles or anything else? God hasn't changed. And so we come to a faith where, a place where faith, and I'm going to talk about faith in a moment, but, but where we say, in Jesus' name, rise up. Because I have authority. I've been given that authority by God. I'm not usurping authority. I've been given authority by God. I've been given a power by, power by God. Therefore, I dare to believe this is true. See, when the church, the city of God, starts to believe this stuff and live in the good of it, it will be a city on a hill burning furiously, and everybody looks and goes, wow, isn't that amazing? I want to be part of that. What is that? That's where God lives. People looked at Sinai, you know, the mountain of God, and there was a fire on the top of it. But I dare to believe we're the city on a hill, and at the top of the hill there's a fire of God. And people look at it and say, wow, this is, this is it. All authority and power has been given to him. He says, now you go. You go and do these things. Dare you believe it? I could be messing up with some people's theology, but I just try to, to run with what the Bible says. I want to talk about faith. God speaks to me in odd ways sometimes. Perhaps I'm not a very spiritual person. I struggle with spiritual things because I don't know what it means. It all gets a bit mystical, so I don't know what it means. So for the last few weeks when we've been worshipping, particularly here on Sunday morning, I felt just this phrase going round and round in my mind, line up the ducks in a row. What do you do with that? I'll bring a prophetic word. Get your ducks lined up. I mean, it just, I don't know how that's going to translate <laughs> into Farsi. But it's just been going round and round. And as I prepared this, the, the more and more I, I've done it, I see clearly that if we get these three things lined up in our hearts, minds, and spirits, then nothing will be impossible for us. Power, authority, and faith. If we line up these three things, nothing's impossible for us. That's what I see in the Bible, clear as anything. Nothing's impossible for us if these things get lined. And we contend with each one of these. We contend on the power front, or we contend on the, power, on the, the authority front, and then we contend on the faith front. And so all the time it's this battleground. Have faith in God, Jesus says to Peter. What's that mean? It means that we trust God, we rely on who he is and what he's done, and live by what he says and commands. Faith is not about our trying hard to believe or do religious things. True faith relies on God, believes God, and serves faithfully. And as we grow, we begin to become more courageous in our faith. We start daring to believe what God says about us is, that God, what God says about us is true. And so we, we get to a place where we start speaking to a mountain. We start getting to a place where we think, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. We start taking some steps and taking some steps and pushing in and not giving up when we don't see it and not giving up when there's failure and not giving up. We just keep going and we keep going.
as I say, even getting to the place where we start speaking to mountains and daring to pray for things we've never prayed for before. Isn't that scary? Isn't it? But isn't it exciting? I mean, I call that an adventure. Isn't that a high-order adventure? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not a hero. I don't do heights and I don't do water. I don't do running. I don't do much, really. (laughs) But believing God, I dare to believe God. Do you remember when uh, Mikhail was here from from Yalava three weeks ago? He gave this illustration of faith. Do you remember? I mean, it's just been my worst nightmare, this illustration of faith. It's like standing on top of a 10-meter diving board. And I hate heights. And looking down. And you look down into the pool, and you see there's no water in the pool. And faith dives off, believing it will be filled by the time you get to the bottom. And I hate water. I mean, it's my worst nightmare, that illustration, but isn't it so powerful? That's faith. Faith believes and sees. And we so want to see and believe. Faith believes and sees. Faith is active, not passive. Faith doesn't live in vain hope. It believes and acts on what we know God has said and trusts that things will change. True faith is never to be a victim of circumstance. Circumstance needs to become a victim of our faith. Faith believes God. Faith acts on what God has said. And most importantly, faith speaks. We have to speak out loud. We have to declare. Salvation is in our hearts. You know, we get saved and we believe in our hearts. But we have to confess with our mouths. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. That's where salvation comes. It's not just an inner, I believe. It's I confess with my mouth and I'm born again. Faith speaks. Faith speaks to mountains and say, you move. And then goes, oh Lord, what have I done? And sometimes you'll speak and it'll not work and you keep trying. But you know what? I believe so hard, so much. This is what God's challenging us about right now. There is huge power in what we speak out loud. The words that come out of our mouths have power for good and power for evil. Power to build up, power to tear down. Power to speak into. You see, it says, in the beginning, God created, and God said, and God said, and God said, and it was so. And he says, look, I give you the authority to speak, and it moves. You think, yeah, but I'm me. You know, I'm I'm me. Yeah, yeah, but I've just been God's just given us authority to move in faith, to speak to mountains, to speak to situations. And when you speak, the devil will come back and say, Who who do you think you are? And so we have to contend against the devil and we keep saying, I'm gonna keep speak and I'm gonna speak and I'm gonna act and I'm gonna dare to believe God because you know what? At the end of the day, I believe God rather than the circumstance. I believe God rather than the lies of the devil. I believe God because of what he says in his word. So often our praying is more like a a wish list than a prayer. I remember years ago uh, at New Life Church in Milton Keynes, a, a couple came to Christ. This is around 1980 as my grand as Hannah, my granddaughter, would say, in the olden days, granddad, around 1980, <laughs> like scary, the olden days? <sighs> and they came to, this couple came to the Lord, and, and they did well, but he particularly struggled in prayer, and, and he used to pray out loud, but f- for a long time, he had no understanding of the authority of a believer, so, and I was 34 years younger then, I probably didn't help him as well as I could have done, but his prayers were, well, Lord, we hope that you will do this. Lord, we hope you will solve that problem. Well, in prayer, that's just a wish list. Lord, we wish this would happen, he'd pray. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. But you know what? I, I'm not being critical of his stumbling prayer life, but I sometimes wonder if our prayer life is secretly like that. We're kind of vainly hoping. Oh, Lord, I wish, 
I wish that would happen. And God says, ask me then. Yeah, but uh, if it only be your will. Yeah, but ask me. I've given you authority. You can shape the future. You can, you can, you can change society because you have authority to do that. Get on and do it. Yet the Word of God says to us, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Wow. The Word says, truly, truly, I say, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater things than these will you do, he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that's the whole thing, that the Father may be glorified but we are the body of Christ on the earth, and he wants us, the body of Christ, to operate in faith in the authority he gives us to bring glory to the Father and to let the kingdom come. And that means healing the sick and raising the dead and bringing the gospel everywhere we go. Isn't that it? Okay. Faith speaks out loud what we're asking God for. God wants us to take him at his word, to exercise the authority he's given us, and to minister in power into the situations and circumstances of life around us. How often you hear somebody sick, I do it, you know, and say, I'll pray for you. That's nice. But there's something about it. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not having this. I'm praying, I'm praying. In Jesus' name. Those of you who, those people that I hear have broken through in these things, like John Wimber particularly, he, he prayed for, I think it was two years for the sick, and nobody got healed. And then he was around at, at a, somebody's bedside, they were dying in hospital, and he, he prayed for them and got up to leave, and they were healed, and he went, ooh. But he was doing it. He was doing it. He was praying it. He was asking it. He was declaring it. And after two years, there was breakthrough. And after that, healing started to be becoming more and more and more and more. You find other places where they persist and persist and persist. Healing becomes the norm. It's just how it is. But it requires from us to understand our authority, to be standing on the Word, and to believe God. I believe for us, Jubilee, it's time to speak to mountains, not admire them. How, how many people look at mountains and go, wow, isn't that nice? You, you, you go to, I guess you go to Switzerland and look at mountains and go, wow, isn't that lovely? You go to the Lake District and go, wow, isn't that lovely? Wow. And God says, speak to it. Yeah, okay. Now, I don't think it's literally a mountain, although I think it could be. But there are mountains, there are issues that hinder the church. There are mountains in front of us, and we can speak to them, whether it's the area of finance, whether it's the area of, I don't know, all sorts of things, the building, whatever it is. I, I dare to believe we can speak to it. But it isn't one person speaking to a mountain. It's a people. It's a people rising in faith, daring to believe God, and say, we believe you, Lord. We believe you more than the circumstances. We believe you more than how we feel. We believe you however stupid we think we are or other people think we are. We're going to declare and we're going to speak to mountains and speak to mountains. Let's not admire them. But let's speak to them. It's time to be the church and to exercise his power and authority wherever we happen to be. So in our hearts, minds, and spirits, let's get the ducks lined up in a row. Okay? I put them on there so that you remember that. You won't forget that now, will you? You can just think of quack, quack, and quack, if you like. But power, authority, and faith. If those three line up, nothing is impossible for us. Because it's all based on the Word of God. This is not pie in the sky. This is not Paul just coming up with an idea. This is utterly rooted in what I believe Jesus says to us in the Gospels. Are we up for being that and doing that? Let's stand then. And if you would like prayer for um, healing at all, um, just come and stand here and the ministry team will be full of faith as they pray for you.
I'm going to pray an interesting prayer. If, if the band could come back, it would be great. Let's just wait in his presence for a moment. Holy Spirit, would you burn some stuff in our hearts right now? Lord, we kind of go along enjoying being your people. But we kind of live as though we may as well be in heaven because we're just going along until you come again. But you've put us here, Lord, to see your kingdom come. You've put us here, Lord, to do the works that you did and to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's why we're still here. Otherwise, we'd already be in eternity. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will give us gifts of faith today to believe you. Holy Spirit, one of the, the gifts you give, and uh, we, we, we seek earnestly the gifts of faith, particularly healing and miracles, but actually the gift of faith to believe you is one we battle with. And Lord, I invite you to quicken us on the inside. I, I invite you to just ignite a, a, a faith belief, a, um, a little fire of faith on the inside of us that's not been there before. I invite you to do that this morning, Lord, because we want to live for you. We, we want to see Teesside transformed for your glory and honor. But Lord, we want to be the people. We want to be the, the church on the hill burning with your power and with your glory and your dwelling that people look at and say, can we join you? We don't want to be the apologetic crowd. We want to be people who are, are there for all to see. Lord Jesus, would you please inhabit us again in power? Would you quicken our faith? And would you start to challenge us and burn in us? The, just help us take little steps of breaking out from where we are personally in our day-to-day -day lives. Lord, thank you. There's no condemnation. You're not pointing the finger. But you call us to something. You call us to an adventure. Lord, Lord, take us each by the hand and let's run with you today and every day. And let it all be for your glory and for your honor. Amen. Bless you. Let's um, worship.